didn't even realize. You know, when you look at Indonesia, it's so big that it, it, if you go left to right, it's the same size as the United States. I moved there for work. My work sent me out there to do uh, an assignment. It was not so bad. They're like, do you want to go? And I said, sure. How long were you out there for? Uh, over two years. I, I lived there, lived in Singapore, and kind of did work and kind of managed a team that was all of Asia, so I had to go everywhere. So it was nice, uh, you know, Australia, New Zealand, you know, Japan. Once you're moving out to Singapore for for work, is it like the music stuff, the button's going to be paused? Oddly enough, in this story, it wasn't paused. Right, so it was sort of, you know, part of the waiting or hoping that this was going to come because my, my songs and work was done for years. I went to Singapore in 2017. <clears throat> At that point, I'd already been kind of three to four years with the songs just kind of you're talking specifically the follow-up to Meadowlands yeah yeah a couple of those songs had already been just sitting there just kind of waiting but then when I went over there I remember one of the the, one of the very first questions I asked the the band was uh if I go will this hurt our chances of finishing the record and they said absolutely not so I said okay I said I'll uh I'll give it a go what year would that have been roughly 2017. Yeah, I remember I asked the question in March of 2017. Okay, so it already been, what, 15 years? <laughs> Whatever would have hurt the potentials of the album coming out had already hurt the potential of the album coming out. Yes, by most band standards, uh, the other 13 years of just, yeah. yeah. You must have considered taking a solo path or playing around with other people at some point in the interim. I know this is kind of the hardest thing to believe or to even realize, even to myself, I, I never did. I, I started the band... I just never believed or ever thought to do any music. And sort of my, my record shows it, right? I, I never played in another band. I've never done a solo show. I've never done a solo. I've never written about myself anywhere. I've, it's only been the Rens. And that's the only thing I ever wanted. And I never said to myself, hey, I'm going to... I was thought in the context of the Rens, and we talked about like, yeah, once we do this, we can kind of like go do things and all this kind of fanciful dreams. But that was always the primary. Living out here, I saw Charles do a bunch of solo shows. So he was doing his thing. Was part of it for you that you were family, uh, work, everything else? I mean, it, it's hard to do a solo record on top of that. Uh, he, he would attest to it. He started doing solo shows even when we were doing the Meadowlands, like in the late 2000s. So he kind of started that whole venture sooner because I had a day job and he was kind of, you know, in flux between his work and what he wanted to do. So he was kind of putting in that, that work. And I just, I think, you know, and just being very blunt and honest with you, I was just uh, very scared. I was very insecure, very nervous, and that kept me. With a band, you've got reinforcement. The cocoon, especially that yeah. band. You know, I've been in it since I was 18. It's a bit of a warm blanket, and I have safety. So, And I didn't have belief in my talent to, you know, that anyone would like the songs or the singing or, yeah, it's just an insecurity thing. What do you think that comes from? I mean, obviously, people were waiting with bated breath for a new Renz record. I think in terms of me ever wanting to do anything by myself, I really, it, it's a mix of things. I think, you know, part is, you know, life and family came on and kids and that was like in my 40s. So yes, that took over time. Uh, and then work, right, of course, right? So it wasn't like I was just a musician. For Pfizer still? Is that right? I, you know, I worked for Pfizer for a long time and now I work with J&J. Okay. Yeah. So you, you went from one vaccine, you, yeah, went, you we, went from dub, <laughs> double dose to single dose. <laughs> You're somebody who like takes your job very seriously to such a point where you were willing to fly oh, yeah. literally family, half across right? the world yeah, for it. Absolutely. Is uh, 
it was a great opportunity and uh, yeah, I work for J&J now and it's an incredible company. They really do promote like a, a really 360 type of person, right? What do you do? How do you support work? What's your out? What do you like to do? What do you do? So, so yeah. In terms a, of them being supported. Of- yeah, yeah. They're very, you know, do your job, but we want you to have a, a the right life. Uh, but yeah, so they sent me on assignment and it's a very important offering. That's nice and feasible to an extent, but like obviously most people when they're, when music is their main thing and you know, and pretty much nobody at this point is doing that without some sort of day job but right. you need something with full flexibility and yeah. i assume that like pfizer like you can't like take like three months off it's yeah all. it's always been that way even with the meadowlands yeah. we were sneaking out on friday uh and then working on the weekends and going back to work right and we would take vacation when we could so many bands and so many artists right I live in that space it's funny i just talked to uh josh cater from the smoking popes and oh yeah they were very much caught up in that 90s major label, like, you know, signing everybody, yeah, putting people out there. And they had their moment. And you, it seemed like you had maybe a taste of that, or at least like, obviously, were, you know, doing your thing in the 90s when all of that was happening. It's, it's interesting. We were on a small scale with grass that had money, but they didn't have any sort of clout or kind of structure. And in a weird way, I think this kind of helps the, the Ren story or my music career, our musical career, is that we were never... We were never the smoking popes. No one ever wanted us. It really was a the weird... smoking popes would probably tell you that they weren't the smoking yeah. popes in that respect. But, <laughs> but I just recall yeah, that. No, no, know. no, for sure. I mean, there, there was this moment... There were name bands that were kind of getting this groove and... Uh, it was just this, like, vacuum that was sucking up anyone that could everything. be the next Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And that was a huge moment. But yeah, but no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for us. That's for sure. Yeah. For you, there wasn't ever really a point where it felt like the music would just be the thing. You know, actually, we jumped off the cliff many times before even Secaucus in 95. We all left our jobs and went on a tour and then realized that we had to pay rent and had to get real and that ended. Um, and then we kind of did it again. You know, during the Meadowlands or before the Meadowlands, we thought that is. So yeah, we, we tried. You know, it wasn't for the lack of trying. We didn't do the one thing where it's like, that's it. We're in a van and we're never coming home until we make it. And, you know, because we saw too many horror stories of bands that just, they always believe like the old stories of like the REM and all that kind of stuff. If you get in a van, it's going to be a happy ending. It's not, not, not always, everybody's Henry Rollins. Not, yeah, every, not everyone is built for that. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, we were, we played with this band. I can't believe I'm just remembering you said Henry Rollins. We played with this band called uh, Branch Manager. And this is old DC band. And they just lived in their van, like, for years. I mean, it was like, we were like... Were they like a Discord or Discord yeah, adjacent? Kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, great, great brand, but it's just like, boy, I couldn't do that stuff. I couldn't live that life. So it sounds like he kept crashing down to earth on a yeah. fairly regular cycle, yeah. is that right? Yeah, it's very much so. I mean, our uh, life was crashing down for the entire 30 years, right? You know, expectations and didn't kind of pan yeah. out. And In spite of these sort of numerous crashings down to earth, what, what's yeah. kept you going? I would say it was really always the, the music and the mission of what we were doing. And What was the mission? The mission has always been what it's been. is sort of like the band, right? Is that this, you know... The mission is the music. The yeah, music the mission is the mission. Is, yeah, yeah, very well stated. And just this belief in this kind of thing that we've done where it's never really been super successful, but it's certainly been more than enough for us in our lives. And it defined who we were and how we how we are. And there's so many of my life decisions were based upon the rents. <laughs> well, sure. Any, any any artistic venture or business that people do. Well, certainly one that is at, at least successful to the point that people are paying attention to it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I think what kept us through is, uh, or what kept me through is just this sort of thing that always keeps me through. It's just, I think, 
that's kind of revealed to me as I've gotten on with my career is that so many people do what we're doing here. Artistic kind of aspects of their life, which is either compensated by some other area or what have you, but it's something they can't help themselves but do. And I think it's a beautiful thing that I didn't realize younger. Younger was always like, oh, we're going to be famous. We're going to get money. Like this weird fake dream. And that kind of sets up weird sadness, you know, because you're... At what point did you realize that you weren't going to get rich and famous? <laughs> I think in 1990. I think the dream really kind of ended... Oh, the dream changed. That, 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 the dream, that's a per- yeah, the dream definitely changed. It still is changing. And it, even my relationship with the dream. The, uh, but I would say that we all realized we weren't going to make it. Sort of like in that period before the Meadowlands where we were like, this is never going to be our career. We're never, we're just not in that space. I'd say in like 2000. Was that an influence on the record? Yeah. Certainly with us. I think with all great artists, I think obstacles and challenges help, and that helps you focus in. And I think the fact that we came to the realization that, or I did for me, that this was not going to be what I dreamed my whole life up to that point, right? Like it's not going to end the way I think. So we thought it was the last record, or I thought it was the last record. So let's just go for broke and make it as good as we can. Throughout the recording, you assume that the Rens just weren't going to happen again after that. Yeah. Yeah, in particular for the Meadowlands, you know, we had nothing. Nobody was calling us. Nobody was interested. You know, they they still kind of remember um, they remember the um, the Secaucus record to a certain degree, but it wasn't. Um, nobody was knocking down our door, right? That's for sure. I was reading an interview that you did recently, and you said, and this makes sense in hindsight, but it hadn't occurred to me that it was almost like a five year cycle for the thing to actually break. So you know. I, like what 2008 like people started paying attention or yeah it was it was really very it kept you know i think almost in a weird way it was sort of as the internet was growing up we sort of caught these little waves of that and then the show would kind of complement that so we would play these gigs and it would be the right gig at the right time and that would kind of capitalize on it and also you know i think artists get so stressed out about like when a record releases and it's got to be a most people don't really want the record when it releases i mean they do but they like the record six, eight years later, right, or months later. So that kind of helped us because we couldn't tour on a regular cycle. So we might have seen the Meadowlands like three years later in a town. So yeah, it, it, the time helped us. I think you, you might be one of a very small group of people who are helped out by not releasing a follow-up record, yes. by there almost being a, a sense of maybe mystique around it. I, you know, I saw you, I can't even remember what year it would have been, but I think it was at the Bell House. So this would have been like well after the, the record came out. And just the sense of like, yeah, I don't know, these guys might not play again together. It's like, I definitely need to go to this show. That's very nice of you. And we always kind of felt that way too, because it really was a patchwork. We were never one of those bands like, we're going to have a summer tour. We're going to have a fall tour. It was like, this might be it. Yeah. And that was because of family lives, day jobs. Or... Kind of. Yeah, kind of because we just sort of really never got our shit together. Well, you got your shit together, but you got it, your shit together in like the more traditional sense of getting your right. shit together. Yeah, yeah. It was a different, it was more the life stuff. And uh, yeah, and that took over a lot, right? You know, because we were, when we released the Meadowlands, we were all three, well, one was Jerry was married, you know, and he had two kids, the drummer. Uh, but um, <clears throat> Greg, Charles, and I were single guys living in one house. I think a lot of bands can sort of succeed as like dad bands, you know, as like yeah. sort of like weekend bands and, you know it's getting, yeah. getting together and play some like credence covers or something but like <laughs> that clearly was not going to be the the lot for the reds no and, and and i appreciate that because we even though we're dads it was never like that thing especially because we had lived in the house for so long and we kind of really focused it as the band it wasn't as like let's let's like you said play some credence covers and you know hang out and have some beers we were never ever that band 
two years, it didn't feel like the end for you? It didn't. Actually, I was waiting quite a bit. And uh, even when I would come home, I would, you know, ask how things are going. I would come home for specific reasons. Maybe we could mix it or because I kind of believed that it was going to be done while I was there. What made you feel that that was going to happen? Because it, it hadn't happened for the previous 15 years. And this is the hard part to kind of explain because it's just insanity. I mean, if you want to look at it one way, it's like you're that gullible. Did you feel like you were maybe lighting a fire under them by moving to the other side of the world? We tried, We We mastered it four days before I left for Singapore. So I had every belief that it was going to be done. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like one of those things where... You really hope and, and whatever, you know, it was also very positive because the, the band would be like, if the record gets done and we release it and you're over there, time has never hurt us. We'll just release it and then we'll play shows after. Like everyone was really super chill about that, which is great. Two over two years went by and then it didn't get done. I always assume that, that part of what contributed to the period of time was that like at a certain point, the pressure of following up a record 15 years later is momentous. Yeah, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, in conversations, I do think that it kind of added in. Right. And the more people would say, expecting it to come up and come up. But I must be honest, I never had a fear of it. Because in some ways, I knew you just can't beat that. You you know what I mean? It's like, you you can't, that moment with, you know, I mean, it's such a, a great story, right? You know, knowing Ryan and Pitchfork, and Pitchfork was Pitchfork at that time. And we were still indie enough where it cared for those bands. And we had the right songs. And even the music around that time was kind of all similar, like Not A Surfs. And it had that weird moment. But I do think that I was like, well, this follow-up's going to be our fourth record. People didn't love our first. They were kind of okay with our second. They really liked our third. And maybe this one's like somewhere in the middle. As long as it's complimentary to it and supports it. And we made a very conscious effort, both Charles and I made it, and and Greg and, and Jerry, that this record should not be some left turn. We weren't going to make our disco record or like our electric record. It really was sort of like this next kind of genesis of what the Meadowlands might be in our minds. Meadowlands was kind of a left turn though, right? I mean, it sounded really different than what came before it. Yeah, I definitely think that we were, you know, our punk rock edge was dulled down and our our Beatle volume was turned up, right? You know, the because we really, at that time, we went after a... But as I said, we I believed it was our last record. So it was like, let's make the best record we possibly could make. Which is not something you, you can afford yourself when you're really caught up in everything, when no. everything's moving super fast. Yeah, we feel bad for our friends, you know, that were kind of in those bands, you know. Like a band like The Hold Steady, who we're really good friends with and were a great band, or, or Bright Eyes, or any of these, or like The Faint, where all of a sudden they get like these really hot records. And they had to come up with the next record right away. It's like, it's, it's hard to kind of, unless you do the... Sort of like the Hold Steady, we're in the groove, like they could do a couple records that were kind of similar. There must have been like a little jealousy at the time, though, of like oh, watching yes. people. I can tell you, and I haven't told anyone this, I remember I was working in the city, and I was uh, here in New York City, and I remember the day that the Hold Steady were playing the David Letterman show. And it was a beautiful day. I remember this to this moment, and they're great friends. And, and they deserve it. And I don't have a jealous bone in my body. I could not have been happier. Because it was like, holy shit, the whole steady is going to be on David Letterman. And they're kick-ass. It was great. And they were awesome. But I was like, could we have? So there's that moment of like that pang where I was like, wow, right? If we've been banging your head against the wall for a decade at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily, right? You know, and um, and not that the David Letterman show was our main goal or whatever, but it's part of the whole getting your music to as many people and all that kind of stuff. If the Meadowlands was a left turn and, and was, I don't know if thoughtful is the right word, but, you know, it was... Um, yeah, introspective, thoughtful. Introspective and, and, and had more time to sort of spread out and something you hadn't heard yourself before. I mean, this is... The new record is even more so. 
it starts off on an extremely quiet note. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, this record is is that. Actually, there's moments because half of the record was made, you know, during COVID or very quickly, right? And there was periods where I'm just like, is this too, am I going too close to the bone? You know, I, I haven't had an, a lot of time with it because we just set this up, but yeah, the yeah. thing that really jumped out at me at the beginning is you can actually hear the sound of the keys of yeah. the piano. I went for that specifically yeah. because it's sort of like... Um, I wanted it to be that close and that intimate to kind of get into this. You know, I try to make it a story, right? You know, and I think everyone that works on a piece or a record that they care about, it should be a bit of a journey. It should be a cycle. It should be whatever. But I wanted to bring the lens in so close. Like I was imagining like a cinematographer that it's so close. You can actually like, you only see their hand to start the movie or something to that effect. And that's where I wanted the record to kind of be. So it's sort of, it grows in its cinema, you know, this it pulls out. Yeah, that pulls out, it gets big, and then has these moments, but yeah. Which is a bold thing to do if you're somebody who had for, you know, an extended period of time been yeah. worried about being front and center. And most of the band is on, on, on the record at some point, and obviously it is a full band, but like, it is you, and that's yeah. scary. He decided to jump off the deep end. I said, if I can get in as close as I could and then yeah. have the... And then yeah, then when I was nervous about the the vocals or whatever, right? Whatever my fear, my own fears are, I figured, well, let's make sure they're kind of heard and clear, right? Like, really, like, where you're afraid, go for where you're afraid. I don't know who said it. Uh, you might know, but in, in the press material, you're a great singer and your best quality is that you don't know you're a great singer. Oh, my God. <laughs> well... If you, if you would know me in the intimate world, you would know my fear of it. I mean, it's just like of singing specifically. Yeah, yeah, horrifically. So, and because yeah. um, <clears throat> you were in a band with other singer, everybody yeah, sang. Charles is a beautiful yeah. singer, just an incredible like his voice. Just like oh, just love to hear it, right? And um, and I loved singing with him, and I loved doing my stuff too. But it was not. It's, I've always been in a band, right? I'm a band guy. I'm not like a singer guy. Yeah. You know, it's like there are bands that have great singers, um, and I just never been that so even when i was doing this recording you know tom brazier kind of helped with this and he's like you know you have to do the vocals now <laughs> he's like you got to do them all uh, but he helped a lot too it was really really nice and you've always been kind of timid about singing in front of people oh yeah it is yeah even that even our gigs our shows i would always be super nervous like well you say even at your gigs and and, and maybe this is like as somebody who doesn't perform but i i would assume especially it's more scary in front of people because there's no net. And yeah. the only thing that's good about in the old days is that no one was recording you. <laughs> and then everything's loud. And, everything's and loud. And it can be show weird. Is, uh, yeah. cacophonous, right? Yeah, and totally. It's, like, it's going to be fun regardless. And you get the energy from it. But, you know, I, I'm happy I'm happy on this record that I went where I think on everything, even just putting this and having this conversation with you about this record. I, everywhere I was afraid, I said, I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm too old to be afraid. How else did that manifest itself on the record? I think uh, just completing it and just enjoying <laughs> just, it. Just doing the dance just, thing? Just, just kind of like the fact <laughs> of, yeah. And um, and I think the challenge of, of getting it done, right? And and I will tell you, it's like I, during COVID, I really got into just songwriting and what it means and how to do it. it it's just like a writer or... Did, did you not have that connection before? You'd written a lot of songs and you had songs finished for the, yes. the record. I know that we did have a... I had a bar of like, you know a standard whereas like if one of someone that I really respect that came in and asked me to do a song could I do it because I think a lot of times artists do little parts and they do sections and they have like this weird thing it's never like a song you know whatever you dress them up in drums keyboards sitars it doesn't matter it's still at the heart of it, it has to be a song with some sort of melody rhythm and chords right 
or Sonic knows to a company. And uh, I wanted to make it that I could start, middle, and them. So that was a challenge unto itself, right? You know, uh, not singing in the shower, like actually. Uh, so yes, I focused a little bit more on, is this a good song? Is it the best song I can do? And he did go for it from the standpoint that you, you play the majority of instruments on this record. Yeah, actually, um, I think with very small exceptions, I'm, I'm playing all of them, right? So you know, I think maybe drums was... Yeah, dr- well, Jerry, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry plays all the drums. Uh, and um, some percussion here and there, right? The drums were all Jerry, but yeah, bass, keyboards, there was a ch- there's cellos, there's violins, and, and I can't play the cello or violin whatsoever, but I was had fun trying. What's that process like? I mean, you know, obviously, like, and those two instruments in particular, like, these are things that, like, kids you know, are studying when they're three. It, was, <laughs> it really is this, uh, it's a poor man's dream of the orchestra. And it's so poor, in fact, that... Sadly, I think the violin was a friend's that her daughter left from school in the house. So it was like a high, it was like a grammar school violin. And then the cello, I specifically went to a music store. I rented it for three days. And I came home and I taped it up. So it had tape all over the cello for the notes because I didn't know where I was going. And it's on leaves. It's on a bunch of other ones. But like, and in my mind, I think it's like, it sounds like the Eagles or something. Like those kind of orchestras, you yeah, know? And, yeah, yeah, like uh, Pet Sounds or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I am no expert, but I do think that maybe those string instruments are ones that you can kind of fudge in that, like... You have a little openness in the tone. Yeah. That's right. You're not, like, it's, you know, you're not doing a fiddle solo. Yes. It's, uh, I'm not, uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia. There's no solos, uh, so you're right. It adds a timbre and a sonic. It sounds a little bit like micromanaging from the outside. Yeah, I think it's, um... It's just color. It's trying this and, and sort of what sometimes the, co- the song would want. I understand why you wanted more instruments on there, but why did you, why were you the one to play them all or mostly? Yeah, I would have I would have had you play it if you wanted. I'm, I'm the least person that way. It's really just you're there. Yeah. It's just in the um, you're there in the basement. In spite of the fact that it has been many years since the last record, everything happened really quickly. Yeah, five of the songs were recorded still in my basement at my house, and that was done in 2013, uh, and then kind of just waited till now. But yeah, then COVID kind of hit, and it really, and I was just checking my memos, you know, my voice memos that I have on my, my phone here with us, and I was checking, even as late as last Thanksgiving, early December, I didn't have many of the songs kind of done and in place. The lyrics were coming to them. And then it was on December 18th. I checked my December 18th of last year. I went on the 18th and 19th. And for the first time really ever into a studio in my life, you know, I'm 50. First time I ever went into a studio to do recording. And it was just a wonderful experience. And Jerry came up and played some incredible drums. We did all the drums for five songs, um, five, six songs. Uh, it was six songs in uh, one day. You didn't use studios before just because of, what, financial constraints or yeah. it wasn't punk enough or... Both. You're exactly right. Yeah, it was a bit of the... Uh, because when we grew up, studios were like where you made, you know, Fleetwood Mac records. Sure, Electric Ladyland. Yeah, yeah, right? It was a big deal. And, and we were actually always going against the green. Even when we started the band, you know, it, it was... The whole rage was Nirvana's and Pearl Jam's. There was no the band's. So we became like a, a the band. Yeah. And even then it was not in vogue. And then when Nirvana sure as hell was recording in studios. Oh yeah. Massive, huge <laughs> no. things, right? So we, it was really out of money and punk rock kind of ideals, right? That we always did. So yeah, it was the first time going to the studio and, mm-hmm. and, uh, recorded the drums in one day. And the second day I went back, December 19th, that Saturday, I went back and did, uh, basses and guitars and stuff like that, pianos. It's interesting to sort of like knock 
all of the same instrument out at once. Yeah. You just had to be in kind of that headspace. You're in bass headspace. Yeah, and uh, because I had no expectation that it was going to go anywhere. I really was doing it for the enjoyment of my love of music and just wanting to do it because I was still thinking that there was going to be a rent So your expectation wasn't, it wasn't that no. you weren't going to finish it and it wasn't that... I mean, maybe to some degree it was a concern that people weren't going to listen because I think that's just kind of right. built into you. And, yeah. and I trust me, I get that. Um, it was more that this was almost like a dry run for a Renz record for you. It was really just through COVID. I just wanted to go and do music. Unfortunately, it's, it's almost that simple. Whereas like I wanted to go and have some time in the studio and record and see where these songs would come. It, it never expected to go where it went. Not to be morbid about it, but I mean, in these sorts of conversations, it's kind of unavoidable that you wake up one day and you're 50 and you're like, it's been 18 years. What am I waiting for? Do people want a Renz record when we're, you know, 60? Do people want a Renz record now? It almost doesn't matter, right? Yes. I, I mean, yeah, I, yes. You're, you're exactly Objectively, right. Objectively, yes, they do. <laughs> I just want to be on the record as saying that, yes. And, and me too, right? Yeah. You know, I always will. And that would be a wonderful kind of experience. And I was always proposing that too. I was like, why don't we just trash all these songs, go do a punk rock record, take all this big expectation, right? And then it got weird with that whole moniker of the Chinese democracy record, which I was just adamantly and vehemently against. That was something people were projecting on you? Kind of. Um, and then, just being like overblown? Yeah, I sort of, and it was, seems like it was being kind of promulgated sure. with from us. And, you know, because I'm not yeah. the one that ever is kind of writing about it. I was just not happy with that. Who was promulgating that internally? Well, I would say it was Charles doing the interview okay. with the, Steve Hayden, I think, where they were kind of talking about it. Yeah. And just as soon as it went down that road, I was like, this is not a good road. Given an infinite amount of time to work on a record, it, invariably it's going to be too much. People just don't like it. You know, the, the reason why the Meadowlands was so successful because absolutely 0.0 people cared. Mm. People love to discover music and art. I do. And when you're told, it just takes, it, it does something to the whole kind of, you know, the art of surprise or in art is very helpful, right? I don't know. Why does everyone like Squid Game? I don't know. Because three week, three months ago, nobody knew about Squid Game. I think the reason why Squid Game or like Tiger King or whatever were popular yeah. is because they were these communal experiences at a time when like there was no community. You know, and maybe there's something to that. I mean, maybe if you're at the level that, that the Wrens are at, you, you can, I can still be like, this is my thing. This is not, this is not an album that everybody loves. And that's part of why I love it. Yeah, no doubt. No, absolutely. And I think there is, and I, I do think that uh, the Wrens have created that. And that's much to our, our hard work over many, many, many years is that there is a bit of a community. I would always, I've yeah. always said it for years that we were sort of like that local small restaurant that you know. But in New York City, in, in New Jersey, you know what I mean? In like, Jersey, right, still exactly, like, right. In this giant world, yeah. you were still able to cultivate that. I do like the idea of, of sort of doing a, a punk rock record. You know, obviously it's a young man's game to some degree. I, I, I threw out every option to kind of see if we can get us out of this sort of way. But I was like, hey, look, if it's going to be this, it's great. Because we did, we really kind of wanted, you know, to make it like an epic, right? So we're like, okay, well, like, can we, is this really the epic novel? Is this part of our career where they'll look back and say, oh, that's really where they went deep and thick and long and all that kind of stuff? I'm getting the impression now that um, that sort of that, that kind of hype and, and the hype and the expectations of a long period of time after what ended up being a, a well-loved record, that wasn't something that you were necessarily feeling internally, but like the rest of the band did feel those pressures around yeah. having to essentially top yeah. yourself. I would say that's fair enough. Yeah, I, you know, of course, and you can understand both of those, right? You can absolutely understand, right? Getting back to a couple of bands I've spoken recently who like had that huge success early on. Yeah. 
And the question I love to ask them is whether or not it was a blessing or a curse. And I think, you know, blessing from just like forward momentum of like just getting shot of the cannon right, right out of the gate, but a curse from the standpoint of, and this is the same with really any occupation that once you hit a certain level, anything below that is considered a failure. Absolutely. I think as you were saying, the dream changes or kind of moves uh, in different waves. And I think my relationship with the dream had really changed. You were in that mode of sort of chasing success early on. Terribly so. Everywhere. I mean, we were we were so desirous of it. I mean, you know, we like I said, we didn't have our jobs. We we're going to be it. That's all it was going to be. And and then I I do think it's and at that point when we kind of like had that last slap in the face, you know, with the Interscope thing, and we just didn't have any. That already is thirteen years in. It's a long time. And I'm in my early 30s. Not old, but maybe old for Not a old, band. old, but for punk rock, yeah, you know, exactly. certainly, or DOI's band, you know. And it was another three years from then that we made the metal ends. I mean, so it's it was a really weird time in the forest. And um, I didn't have that live up to expectations just because I couldn't. And I would say that. I was like, if they grew up loving the Meadowlands from Pitchfork and they were their friends in college or wherever they discovered it or whatever time, you cannot replace that. All you can do is be complimentary to it. It's, yeah. That's it. you know. If, and if you live with this expectation, you now can control people the way they're going to like it. Then it's an even darker rabbit hole. And the other part too is like, who are you making it for? If you're making it for yourself and you're happy, move on. If you really are looking for it, that's where I was going to head. You know, those bands, like, is it a blessing or a curse? It also depends on what you want out of it. Yes, we did chase the dream, but once that dream died, now you're doing it for, like, I really humbly believe it with this record. The fact that I get to do this, it's like Madison Square Garden. You removed the pressure from yourself by not making a Renz record. Uh, just being very frank with you, I think I removed the pressure for the Renz, too. This record specifically, you were able to do stuff that you couldn't do because there wasn't that pressure. Just, now, granted, that New York Times story maybe didn't help in the way that it was framed. Yeah. Publicity-wise, obviously, like, what a great thing to have come out to get people excited about the record, but also bittersweet for, for fans of the band. But pulling that out and just putting this thing into the world, you don't really have that 18 years of pressure in the same way that you would for a Renz record. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And um, it's something that is important. What are you doing it for? And I just said, I wanted to do music again. And the fact that I get to share it. And I was just saying, if, if three people were happy with it, it was, really was full circle. It's going back to when, when we made Silver, or our first 7-inch. Nobody cared or wanted it. Yeah. But it kind of feels good. But I still believe that could have been with the Renz. Yes, people wanted it. But if you released a record that you really liked, and you were absolutely, if you were confident with it, that you liked it, and I think that's sort of where we struggled. Mm. Did the Renz like the record? Right? Did the Renz like the new record? The Meadowlands, it was... 110 percent yes everybody was on board it was just like this is great and even the fourth Renz record to be i was very much a fan of it yeah right i was like this is going to be people are going to like this it's going to be deep it's going to be darker but they're going to dig it once you sort of open up that valve and you're committed to this new project this project that like doesn't literally have your name on it but it but it is a solo record the songs just start coming again you know it was so the commitment to have that happen was really after the fact the commitment was just to enjoy music and to do some songs. And then I just got to a point when I shared with the guys, I was like, I just can't. I'll do anything except what we've been doing for 17 years. I'll do anything except for nothing. I will, I'll go be in a kazoo band with you guys. I will go do whatever you might want to do. But I can't be in this band at the moment. Treading water. Just saying it's done. It's about to be done. Okay. Because... Because it goes to your earlier questions, like, well, why did you believe that? It's like, you just get to a point, it's like, and, and you'd have to look at it from 
in my shoes, I'd been believing it since 2003. And it sure sounds like the record was done, but you know, maybe wasn't wasn't mastered. Would it have been easier? It wasn't mixed either. You know, I think it's a definition of what done. Is sure, artists. sure, but like 80 percent of the way there, perhaps. But if there wasn't a specter of a fourth record, and and if everyone was just like, hey, we put out three great records, we love them. Yeah. We're just a bunch of dudes who are going to play together every once in a while. Is that a level that you would have been comfortable with? That's a very good question. And my honest answer is no. No. I think I've always wanted it to be the band and the group and the four guys because you figure it's like like I said earlier it's 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 all the decisions I've made in my life when to get married when to have kids where to live what not to do what job I should get it has revolved around this band everything every single aspect of it right you know not start a career until I was 34. I mean, just endless. I mean, the list is, is huge. So no, I do think that the Ren story would have been complimentary with uh, another record, mm-hmm. right? Sort of like the adult version. We had two kid records, we had a good mid-year, and it would be nice to kind of see what, what the uh, adult version. You said it not only took the pressure off yourself, but took the pressure off the bands. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look in, uh, when you look at, you know, this moniker of what the Chinese democracy and what yeah. it would be, you could see where your the river is going to go one way, and then it almost sort of doesn't do it. It does a disservice to the music that you've did with such believing that it's going to go into the same stage as like a metal ends, but it, it's not right because people have these. They're they're only going to a b right away. They just have to. Um, but these are all kind of theories, right? If push comes to shove, would you do another record the same way? Not with eighteen years, obviously, but the way it's <laughs> right, we don't have those years yeah, anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it would still be as much as I would dream about a punk rock record, we could, and I think we would be able to do it. I think that obstacle would be, you know, because we're not master songwriters, but I certainly think that we have enough where we could say, let's put together eight songs that are kind of good. And so, yeah, I, I would love it. I mean, this new record that you put out, this con- specific configuration outside of the Wrens, I know it's just like Schrodinger's cat situation of, of like what the status of the band is if that feet dragging or water treading continues on could you or would you want to put out another record the way this came out if i could so i have no expectations of what's next <laughs> sure post this sure but it sounds like it was a good experience yes for you. it was beautiful yeah truly wonderful and it's made me so happy in music just like when we released the meadowlands and all the wonderful experiences it's on par of just that yeah very very lucky like truly Again, I, I keep saying it over and over again. I think it's just because I've been through so many ups and downs and seen so many near misses and near hits. You get a you get a different perspective of it, right? And I'm so appreciative that I get to have a day with you and all that kind of stuff. And not to sound too, you know, Pollyanna about it, but it's what what do you want to get? What are you really expecting to get out of it? And if three people that I can kind of connect with that really like the record and they take it away, that is as good as thirty thousand. It just it really is. It's not a so. And if I wanted to be in the Rens and we continued this sort of drag feet thing and still did songs and it was in a nice environment yeah i probably would still do that too <laughs> it's just to do music and to have fun we're not to have fun i i don't want to make it sound like it's a, a party band because we never were we we're always very serious and even this record that i just put out it's it's serious right it's it's our best attempt i do have to ask you about the times piece about what what came next in some ways maybe the highest profile thing that was just written up probably about the Rens period uh, just insane. came out I mean it's you know huge feature on you and, and really and dives pretty deep but you know it does sort of pick out some wounds yeah. at the same time right I mean what it's it alluded to the fact that you and Charles were on speaking terms at that point but when when that comes out and now that the record is really just right over the horizon for you what have things been like since that article yeah I would say it's uh look you know you can't kind of unwind a clock especially when you know they've been 
my brothers and my friends since I was 18 years old. Like I keep saying, like I live with Charles longer than I live with my wife currently. I mean, it's, it's that deep of relationship and that kind of connection. So of course, I think there's hard feelings or, you know, hard, hard, hard moments on both sides, right? Of course. And, you know, this is not what you expected and, right? And so I think coming after that, there, I think it's just a moment of just like, oh, well, this is sort of like a new reality. Like, I think that sort of, that kind of brought a little bit more into like, oh boy, it's real. But yeah, I've never, it's it's hard. Of course. I did a songwriter for a while and, you know, and she never wrote a song about me. It was totally fine with that until we broke up. Huh. And then I, I listened, this was back in the in the MySpace days. I saw it and listened to the song, and it was just like, obviously really hard to experience that. If Charles does do this sort of threatened, his threatened solo record, is, is it something that you're going to listen to? Oh, yeah. I mean, Charles started, you know, like we were talking, doing solo shows yeah. in, in 2000 and whatever. But this is different, right? I mean, this is, is like the Ren stuff that he's threatened. Yeah, and uh, from my heart is that there's probably not one person that's a bigger fan or a more appreciative person of him as an artist, as a songwriter. I was in his West New York apartment when he wrote and showed me his first song. You know, I'm that person, right? And I get to do it. I get. I was lucky enough with the Rens, with Jerry and Greg, to kind of do all those things that help build up to those songs. And I was that person. And here, I would be the first person that would buy it, the first person that would listen to it, and probably the one that loves it the most. Hands down. Do you know if he's listened to your record? I don't know. I don't know. He loves music, so I wouldn't doubt that he yeah. would, right? You know, he's, you know that's, he's certainly agnostic in that way, his love of music. It's certainly a, it's a really, it's a sensitive and it's sort of an important story, right? Because it's for people's lives, right? And again, it's not just me and Charles. It's, it's Greg and Jerry, too. It's an interesting one, that's for sure. As I sort of said at the, at, at the top, you know, obviously there is a ton of bands out there, many of them your contemporaries, that have been going with one member, tops right yeah. and, and have cycled through people and it i could never do that i get the sense that there's no wrens without the four of you no never yeah. i i love the three of them way too much i love what we did i have zero interest in that i would never want to go to a show where it's like a faux wren show that'd be hideous i would never i would never do it the one thing about a wren show or whatever we were there we were full and present might not always been great but yeah it was enjoyable it was enjoyable yeah. i'd rather yeah i'd rather but if it's going to be a wren show it's the four of us for sure so we've been talking sort of hypothetically about you know next records and 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 that next step but um in the interim what do things look like you know with with stuff sort of starting to open back up i mean is this something that you are going to play live uh i would i would love it it would be a great experience if we can get some shows you know um, i'm going to do a south by southwest mm. kind of thing so that'll be fun and i haven't done a show since 2010 so so you like know, all these people who are complaining about not playing since the pandemic started you're like come on guys like <laughs> I, I can beat that i was gonna say yes you can understand if it's their livelihood yeah but if it's just like they want to play a gig it was like the last gig i had was december of 2009 yeah, but he, he must have missed it. it. The life took over, but of course yeah. I missed it, right? Because it's it really was. And as the Wrens, we were never like a really hip band. We were never like a party band. We never went to clubs. You were a party band in a sense. We were parties, you know, but what I mean like- <laughs> In we, the sense that you partied. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, we did with ourselves, but it, it were small groups of friends, but it wasn't yeah. like our lifestyle. Like, sure. We were really always nerdy guys yeah. that went home and just kind of like would rather watch PBS and- those sort of who we always were. So yes, to miss those shows and the energy, right? It, I don't know. Maybe that was maybe looking back, we should have played shows. Maybe that would have helped us. I 
think that's undeniable. Yeah, I think. And, and you did, I think you the, did a few here and there. As, as I said, I saw you, you know, whatever year that was at the Bell House. I mean, that is, I think, the official last time we played it was the Bell House of April for the Haiti Festival. That was the last time we actually played. There was in a, like a cake being passed around. Is that yeah, sound familiar? Yeah, that was Jerry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, again, like, yeah. you know, like I said, without Jerry, there's no Wrens. You know, it's just, you know, it's that whole thing. That was all his shenanigans. Yeah, that was April of 2010. I get why it was difficult to come together and, and put a record out. Why were shows so hard? Just because you didn't have an album? You know what's so funny is we were just kind of dumb. Now sitting here with you, I'm telling you, I've never had that idea. I, 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 or no one ever broached that idea. Yeah. I should say. But, but the idea, idea of just like of, of coming up at, at, when you did as a band, it was just understood that tours happen around album releases. I guess that's, I would say that was probably it. And it probably could have helped us make the record sooner. It could have helped some of the relationship stuff, I guess. You know, not that there's any really trouble with the relationship there, but there's been some rocky spots, right? It's all relationships, you know. But yeah, I do wish now if I look back, and it's a whole decade. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm literally looking at a decade of my life because I've been playing shows live since I was 12 years old. We all get this, you know, as you get older, obviously those decades yeah, contract, true. but also it would be one thing if you didn't also have another life. Yeah. Like if this was it for you, like that no would doubt. be a very long decade. But it is still kind of miraculous that an entire 10, 11 years with not one somebody saying, hey, should we play a show? Beyond South by Southwest is what's the sort of feasibility of you actually, you know, doing more shows? If uh, people are interested to come out in whatever kind of capacity or place... I would love to do it. I hate using the word buzz, but based on buzz, I think people want to see what's going on. Yeah, I think it's, you can kind of do that. And, you know, I've been lucky. I've seen a lot of these things, but it, it comes back to the music. If people hear the record yeah. and then they're like, I'm into it or kind of brings it, then they'll, so it could be. Which know. is a little counterintuitive because usually like you, you play in the lead up and you keep playing and now you're just like, you're like, I, you're kind of, you're still trepidatious. Kind of, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very proud of it. I think it'll find an audience or people that will kind of, you know, enjoy it. And yeah, if it's like where we're sitting right here, just to 15, 20 people, I, I couldn't be happier, right? Because, you know, you figure we were lucky enough to play like Pitchfork Festival to 21,000 people. We're over here in Alphabet City. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I spent a lot of my early years in New York yeah. here. I, I dated someone who lived at uh, 9th and A. Oh, you're kidding. A couple there blocks from here. Right. You know, and, and Ray was talking about brownies before. Yeah. And it's like... And there's this thing that happens where you develop a sense of romanticism, regardless of how squalid and how much squalor you were living in and like whatever you felt and how cramped and, you know, shitty those shows were and Absolutely. those nights like sleeping off floors or whatever. It's, man, you start to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, that's a great concept. So I think that what I try to talk about in the record is, or here, why can't you kind of still have it? You know, why do you have to go in degrees and not have it? It doesn't need to be in these intense pockets where you yeah. were probably sleeping on floors more than you expected. Our, our brownie shows are really kind of like really grotty. But you, but you hit 50 or, you know, or even 40 and you don't want to sleep on floors anymore. You don't want to do it, but there's a part of you that longs to do it. Yeah. So can you still be able to do it? It's sort of like, it really is the theme of the record. It's like, how do you kind of make sure that you keep that, that young part of you or that energy still in this world not to give up really not to just you know just don't give up how do you force i think it goes back it's forcing yourself into those uncomfortable kind of things and and just realizing how much you do enjoy it right to go and play a show in front of 10 people in a bar i haven't done in a long time and i did it for years and i did it for decades listen man you know even like getting out of my apartment at this point of the past two years you know i'm like <laughs> i'm totally serious too because like i know as i was saying like and, and this is like this is my first in-person interview and in, wow. since the beginning of the pandemic and it's just like I mean, it's it's weird, and 
part of this is, is a symptom of the pandemic, but I think other it is just sort of like progressions that we go through in life. But even leaving my apartment is kind of getting out of my comfort zone at this point. Absolutely. No, I think you're hitting on it right right in the nail on the head where, and now hopefully in the cycle, you'll say, oh, I left my apartment. I yeah. did this thing. You go back in a couple of days like, wow, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Not this in particular me or the conversation, but just the function of sure. it. You sort of enjoy it. And you're like, okay, maybe I'll do it again. And you know, oh, that's why I used to do these in person. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, and I think that's what happened with me with the songs and the music. I was like, oh my God, I just kind of, I think I finished the lyric and it's like, oh, I enjoyed that. I forgot that I enjoyed it, right? Because I think you're 100% right. People, Isn't that wild that you can forget that? Yeah, but I think you really forget it. I think you completely, completely forget it. I mean, A, you have to compartmentalize just generally in life, but two, A, two, B, you have to kind of put it aside because you can't be, you can't be completely sentimental. Yeah. That'll ruin your life. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you, what is the evolution of that kind of relationship to that thing? I mean, obviously you've been doing these for a long time or you've had interviews and conversations and writings for a long time. It, it, it begs the question even back to you. It's like, well, why are you here? Why are you actually talking to some guy about some record and some band? You really kind of don't even have an answer. You're like, yeah. I don't, something is willing me from some weird place to get out of my comfort zone to kind of do it. And that's analogous to you making music? Yeah, pretty much. Right. Because I think to your point where it's like you struggle to get out of your house, I think everybody, if they're honest, is a little like that. Then you start to make up excuses for yourself. And I think I did that for a long time too. Well, well, you know, I can't do music because I'm waiting on the rents. That's a good excuse. It worked for so long. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, really? Now I'm not even enjoying the waiting or what have you. you know? Sure. But you had the added disadvantage of knowing that like it was going to, that pulling out that bandaid was going to hurt everyone a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're hitting, I really think you're hitting on something that is probably what took us so long is because you get in this groove. It's almost easier to live in that world. Like it's going to come out. It's almost done. That's better than the reality. But you forget that the reality is cool too. Yeah. yeah it's um, not that getting so wonky and deep, but I think you're hitting on a lot of these kind of deep problems or whatever. Drivers. Drivers. 